decade has gone by and it left us many incredible video games. Whether you played them on the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, the Nintendo Switch, the PC, or even the Nintendo Wii U, odds are there is simply one game out there that you absolutely love. But that being said, can you write down a list of top 5 games from the 2010s? It's no easy task, but we're going to try our best to do that in another exciting episode of A Cast of the Past with a brand new episode each and every Sunday. And the fact that we are in 2020 means that we have an entire decade to look back at, uh, regardless of the console that you played, so we can celebrate these games. And we're going to try that with yours truly, Juan Velas from Puerto Rico. Joining me as always from London, Ontario, we have Keith Hamilton now. Be real, man. How hard was it to work on a top five of the 2010s? Oh my god. You would think that five games is easy, but it's so hard. My list started with 55 games, and I've somehow narrowed it down to five. And even now, I'm like, oh, you know, I I can't remember 55 games I played. By name. Do, do, do you want me to list my oh, top no, no, 55 games? No, no, no. Let's introduce Ryan from Boston, Massachusetts. He's the other guy on the podcast. What about you? Did you have uh, did you have an easier time working on that? I did because I don't play as many games as you guys. I, I tend I tend to go in on a couple games at a time and kind of keep it at that. So my list was probably I probably had just less to filter through than you guys, to be perfectly honest. That's a possibility. And everybody, uh, we put out a new episode every Sunday, and we love engaging with everybody. And thank you, whether you listen on Spotify, YouTube, anywhere, consider leaving a five-star review. We also have a Discord where we can live react to some of these games as we write down our lists. Uh, so that's acastofthepast.com slash Discord. But I get the feeling that we're going to be talking about a lot of games because the episode after this one, people, not only was it hard to pick five individual lists, the next episode, we're going to try to build a list of the top five uh, cast of the past games of the 2010. So we're going that's to even going to be more kids. intense. Yeah. So, Mr. McNulty, do the honors. What is your number five of the last decade? Okay, so... When it comes to my top five, there was a few things I really considered. And one of the big things that you'll find with some of the games on my list is time investment. So number five for me is one where time investment certainly played a huge role. And that's going to be 2016's Pokemon Go. So that is a mobile game that is like this AR experience with Pokemon. I'm sure you've heard of it. It took over the world in the summer of 2016, and I am still playing it to this day. So a mobile game that you pretty much play every day, playing it for, you know, four years at this point, that has to be on my top five games. A lot of people like to talk down about like mobile games, but the fact that I'm still playing this mobile game to this day, I think speaks volume. Granted, you have the Pokemon property in there as well, and I'm a huge Pokemon fan, but I've never dedicated myself to a mobile game this long not even close most mobile games i'll play for like a month and then i'm done but the fact that i'm still playing this game granted not as heavily uh, a lot of that tends to do with the weather you know being in new england you have colder weathers i know keith knows this with you yeah, know, being in canada it. that it's not really as fun when it's really cold out but during the summer you know you're going for a walk anyway it's nice to have some other reason other than just exercise and you know the aesthetic of the outdoors you know a little bit of extra motivation to keep you walking and staying outside i'm right there with you this is a game that i've played on and off since launch i'm like you i live in canada winter is cold i'm not going to subject myself to the like minus 30 degree weather just for a Tyranitar, even though I really love Titar. <laughs> but it's just something I keep coming back to. I played Pokemon Go today. I had 20 minutes to kill. I needed to get up from my desk and just kind of uh, reset my batteries. And so I went for a walk. I went to uh, go get some uh, Team Rocket stops taken care of. And it was a nice little break that I went on my way. No, and I really appreciate that you brought that up, Ryan, because... I think that in the in the online world, people are like, how dare you bring up a mobile game that's kind of a game, but not really. 
These are our individual lists. And look, the fact of the matter is, I remember when it first came out, it was an obsession with people, hundreds upon hundreds of gamers. So even culturally speaking, forget about video games, like pop culture shifted when that came out. Yeah, let me tell you, like the impact Pokemon Go had when it first came out was phenomenal. There was a company-wide meeting at my work when Pokemon Go came out like the upper management basically pleading with people like does anybody know how to make our work a pokestop so people will come visit us <laughs> wow that's amazing it's, it was wow. a phenomenon yeah and a lot of people like to say oh that that game died or whatever there was an event just yesterday as of this recording for um mincino i i, I don't know how to actually pronounce the poke it's like a little mouse or whatever but anyway you have to spin po- uh, pokestops to to get the reward it you know it was pretty cold out yesterday And, you know, I'm going out in, you know, my suburban neighborhood. So it's not even like I'm in a big city and there was plenty of people out there playing. So the game's still very much alive. And especially if you go into the city during an event, you are still going to see hundreds upon hundreds of people out there playing. So even though it's not like one fifth of the population playing like it was at the start, basically, you still have hundreds and hundreds of people in every city playing this game every day. So, Mr. McNulty revealed Pokemon Go as his number five. Uh, what about you, Keith? What's your fifth pick for your top five? All right. So, I did my dist- or list a little differently where it wasn't just about time investment for me. It was time investment against enjoyment. Like, if I only spent 40 hours with a game, but it was one of the most enjoyable 40 hours I had in the last decade with a game, then it went on my list. Because I don't think that, like, the amount of trying to, like, suck every single penny out of a purchase of a video game, that's never been my thing. So, this, my number five game is a great example of that. I'd, I'd like to take you all back to late 2011, where the the world was just basically i'm was i'm not going to say what i was thinking that they were just getting excited over skyrim you can imagine what was about to come out of my mouth but the world was getting excited about skyrim I thought it was all right it's a great game in its own right but there was another game that came out that everybody was like yo you need to play Saints Row the 3rd they just went all out with this game. Saints Row is a game that's, it's kind of like a Grand Theft Auto-like game, but they just, uh, they go for the wacky instead of the realism. And Saints Row the Third was like, how do we take wacky all the way to the extreme? Like, it was kind of going for that in one and two. Like, hey, there was a mission where you had to throw up or like shoot a poop truck at people. But of we course. went from poop trucks to like giant hulking 400 pound naked men bulldozing, juggernauting their way through buildings. Or, hey, let's get a giant uh, dildo based baseball bat and beat people up with it and then just some of the things yeah you know what i mean and just some of the things that they did in this game was it was so much fun there's an entire uh like it's a gang based game very much like a grand theft auto and there's an entire gang of luchadors where the uh the culmination of that mission facing them is you inside of a wrestling ring having like a full-blown wrestling match against a leader of that gang it's it's an incredible thing and i think everybody should play saints row the third yeah it is an incredible game it is actually my list but it's not my fifth pick but spoilers it is there because uh keith is actually the person that persuaded me to play that game you you come up you come up a couple times in here keith so i owe you (laughs) for my last decade uh but uh, a game that i wanted to bring up is number five which this changed even before this recording i was still like debating okay do i really want this do i really want to have this here And I think Ryan is going to completely understand, and it's not going to be surprising at all, but I'm talking about uh, WWE 2K14. So I know that not everybody's a huge wrestling fan, but WWE 2K14 is the last wrestling game that I played that I really felt something special when I enjoyed it because of the roster, because of the actual gameplay. People always go back to uh, WWF No Mercy, greatest wrestling game of all time, or SmackDown, Here Comes the Pain on the PlayStation 2. But there was something about WWE 2K14 that it just clicked. Like, it wasn't an amazing game. Graphically, it was okay. Gameplay was okay. But everything about it was solid. Plus, you added the online component. 
I think that was super enjoyable. You had the Undertaker beat the streak mode, which you had to try to defeat the Undertaker. But he was like a video game character where he was always super cheap, hiding, turning the lights off. And that was just super enjoyable. And uh, the servers for it went offline. I think it was like 2017 or something like that. And I played multiple wrestling games since then. And I go back to this one and it's still a blast. So I don't think it's nostalgia talking. I don't think it's a matter of settling for a wrestling game. I really do think it's one of my favorites. And uh, the fact that I was initially like, oh, do I really want a wrestling game to be my number five? It's like, you know what? Yeah, because it's a freaking great game, right? Yeah, I really like that pick. And that's a game I actually hadn't even thought to consider. But I, I love that you got it on the list. Because I remember when this game came out, it was the first 2K wrestling game once the whole 2K purchase basically happened. And I was very weary of it because, you know, they were basically coming in at the home stretch to finish this game up. So I had no idea what to expect. But it basically took a lot of the cool things that WWE 13 had set up and really refined it and made it a much better experience. And yeah, Juan and I played a lot of online on this and it was a ton of fun. So uh, I'm really happy to see this uh, make the list. Yeah, wrestling games have been garbage for most of the last decade. And this is... Yeah, this is pretty much the only one I would say that's worth playing because... The, or I guess... Um, like 19 last year's was all right, but this is definitely the high point for wrestling games in the 2010s. Hey Keith, that was already two years ago. It's 2020, man. Sorry. Oh, you're right. Time's flying by, yeah. So I guess 20, yeah, the one I'm thinking of would be 20, right? 20 no. was garbage, though. Hell no. No, okay, so Hell it was 19. No. So what, yeah. two wrestling games ago, yeah. Yeah, because, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a good game. It's okay, Keith. It's already been a decade. Uh, decades long <laughs> gone by. Uh, Ryan, oh number four, my friend, what you got for us? All right. So number four, I think it's a very unique game that it's pretty well known at this point. But uh, I did want to kind of caveat what Keith was saying earlier. Time investment wasn't the only aspect I was rating a lot of these games. Just Just one thing I considered when overall thinking of my list. But... Uh, number four, certainly this game that does take some time and takes a lot of practice, and that is 2017's Cuphead, which I, I love this game because it is, in its true form, a platformer in, in a way, but not really because, yes, you have those side-scrolling platforming missions, but it is kind of more like a Contra Gunner game, but... You know, when you think of Contra, most of the time you're thinking of, you know, actually scrolling through the stages. But this game is way more about boss fights. There's there's only several run and gun levels and the rest of it. You're just thrown right into a super difficult going to take you 50 tries. That's an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 50 or more, depending. I don't even know how many tries some of these bosses took, but these types of styles of games, albeit as frustrated as I get, you probably, the things I said when I played this game would be bleeped and probably get as demonetized if these videos were monetized on YouTube. Yeah. Um, so, yes, there could be a lot of frustration, but. I do like those games where you try, 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 and then when you actually accomplish it, like that's that's a great feeling. I love that feeling, and Cuphead really captures that, and I had so much fun with it, and you can tell there was so much care and love put into this game with the art style and the amount of details and all the animations because they're trying to replicate this 1930s cartoon animation style. And it really is just a beautiful, fun game with a lot of strategy elements too because you can only use two types of guns basically when you go into each level and there's multiple other types you can purchase. So, trying to strategize what is the best combination of weapons to use at each stage. Some are much better in different stages than others. So there's that strategy aspect as well. So overall, I really love this game. I have a question for you, Ryan. Have mm -hmm. you ever watched a Cuphead speed run? I, I have. I know there's some really broken things you can do it to is kill bosses really most, fast. Yeah, it is one of the most phenomenal things I have it's seen. Crazy. Yeah, I know it there's really there's some really weird glitches you can do in like older versions where your your gun can be like super OP and stuff. But yeah, some of these bosses 
are ridiculous. And the second to last boss in this game is probably one of the most brutally unforgiving and hardest bosses I've ever challenged in any video game. He's even harder than the final boss. And yeah, oh, damn. It, it's it's a hell of a it's a hell of a game, though. I played like uh, like 10 minutes of it, died like 10 times in that. And I said, you know what? I appreciate people that play this game. I really do. But it's it's not for me. But uh, Keith, what you got yes. for number four? So this is a game that completely controlled my life for a very long time. And it might seem weird that a farming game is one of my top five games of the decade. But my God, do I love Stardew Valley. It's a game that I heard about through podcasts like, hey, it's this fun uh farming game that actually gets really deep. So I checked it out and then a thousand hours later, I still think about Stardew Valley quite often. I own it and have beaten it, quote unquote, beaten it on multiple platforms. And it's one of those games where I just get in this Zen-like mode where I think of a project that I want to do for myself and then boom, it's all I think about. It's a, have you ever had those games where you start playing it at night and then all of a sudden you blink and it's like 3 a.m. in the morning. Stardew yeah. Valley is that game for me. And Can you explain that for somebody that has no idea what the hell this game is? Because you say farming simulator. What what does an average gaming session look like? You You put the game in. What do you do? So you're like the the basic premise of this game is you've been given this farm by your uh, grandfather and then it's this plot of land that you can do anything you want with and um the cycle of the game itself happens in a day so every minute is like a um is like an hour in a day and then you just need to do everything you can before it gets to 2 a.m. Or, or before you have to go to bed. And you can choose to either spend it farming, like you make crops and then sell them to get more money, and you have to make sure they're watered, and then eventually you can build up to sprinklers and build better crops, make barns, breed animals, and uh, just go down this fun farming path. Or you can choose, like, I want to make a brewery. So, okay, now I'm going to make fields of hops and then I'm going to make kegs for those hops and then just make like mass amounts of beer and sell it for money. And how does but, that make you feel? Oh, it makes me feel so good. I love building the brewery the most in that game, but it's not the only thing you can do. There's uh, there's almost like relationship quests in that game and every single person in that game has their own, like every single NPC has their own story built around it so you can do like or there's a goal of just like getting to Max Hart's relationship wise with everybody in that game. You can get married, have children, you can become a fisherman if you want nothing to do with the farming aspect. You can just become like this master fisherman and sell fish for money. Or you can go into the caves and there's like a combat angle to this game where you can just go in the caves, try and get like minerals and diamonds. And so you could do everything ores. is what you're saying. Everything. Really, for real. There's just like so many different paths you can take to the game and you just get into this mode where you're like, okay, this is what I'm going to do today. Um, my my uh, crops are going to be done in three days. That means I have two days to go mine. I have one day to go fish. So here's my week planned out. Okay, it's time to plant new seeds, start this new cycle. And it's, it's one of those games where you just want like one more day. It's like, okay, if I do this, I can accomplish this in three days. So let's do three more days. Oh crap. Well, now if I do this then in two more days i can accomplish this and it just keeps like basically feeding into itself and then all of a sudden time just disappears and you've put a thousand hours into this farming game and have you, you loved it, every think, single second yeah, of i was it. gonna say i i have played it and i think it really just takes a certain type of person to really enjoy it because i i did play it i played maybe like four hours of the game four or five hours and I, and I had my fun, but I kind of fell out of it real quick. It didn't suck me in. Even though I really like games like Animal Crossing, I don't know why this didn't uh, grip me as much. I, I don't think uh, there's nothing I didn't enjoy about it. It was just I wasn't as motivated to just want to keep playing it, I guess. Yeah, it's understandable. It's a game that I initially started playing, but you know how much time it takes, right? So I look at somebody like Keith and it's fascinating to me, but I also understand that it's a little 
uh, intimidating. But for me... It can be, for sure. My fourth pick is the complete opposite. So Keith talked about a game that you can pour uh, thousands of hours into and you probably won't finish. My game right now for number four is a game that I played and I beat in two sessions. I haven't played it ever since then, but it was that unique experience that I have with it that always has me uh, thinking about it. And that game is A Way Out. So A Way Out is a co-op game. Whether you play it by yourself or something, it is always going to be split screen. What's super unique about this game is, say you buy it and you're like, oh, well, I want to play with Ryan, but then Ryan doesn't have it. You can actually invite your friend. They can download the game and play it online with you without having to buy a second copy. And that to me is just freaking awesome. That's incredible. Yeah. So the entire premise is this. You're two men and you have to escape prison. That is literally the game. Now, what happens and the personalities between them is truly amazing because one of them's a little bit more introverted, the other one's more extroverted, right? So it's this contrast of, well, what really happens and the decision-making process uh, through this. It's in many ways sometimes a walking simulator where I played through the entire game with my wife and we still talk about the entire experience because it's not often that you play a game that it is purely about decision-making. I will not get into spoilers, but you figure out with your creativity, you're two people trying to escape. So decisions need to happen at some points. And my wife and I have points where we'd be sitting down, we put the controllers on the floor or on a table, and we were like, so what the hell are we going to do? What's the decision? Like, do we want to go down the good route, the bad route? Because your character's an asshole, mine's not. But then maybe I'm the asshole. Like it brings this entire conversation that I feel no other video game I've ever played has brought to the table. And the fact that you can beat it between six to nine hours means that it doesn't overstay its welcome. So you're not feeling this sense of like, when the hell is this going to end? But there's a little parts for those that had never played. It's like, uh, you got to break out. So you have to go to a laundry room but then one of you dresses up and then the other one is trying to take out the other person inside a laundry basket. So it's like those little things that you have to do in the game that sometimes there's not that many options, but it feels so freaking good. And I feel like this is a game that it came out in 2018, so it's not that old, that people just kind of forgot about. And I think it's a shame because a lot more games uh, should follow through there multiple ways you can escape? like different ways you can do it or is there only one way i'd say i'd say that more so than different ways it is the style that it happens like uh eventually as you play the game because sometimes you're like you die and you got to go back you realize like okay so i'm making decisions but it's not so much it's not these incredibly game-changing decisions right it's more like it sort of determines your ethical boundaries like how far are you willing to go like if you were put into their spot it's like the conversation Usually, I never played the Telltale games, but I know Keith has. You're one person playing him, right? So if Keith wants to go down the bad guy route, nobody's stopping him. But because it's me and my wife playing together, it is the conversation that we both have about, well, I want to do this, but you want to do that. So it's like you actually become the characters in many ways. And that that is the absolute definitive reason that I think people should play it. So once again, it's like if you haven't played it and you have a friend that you think this would be awesome with, you only need one copy, whether it's on the PS4, uh, on Xbox One, and I forget if it's on PC, but please, please do yourself a favor and check this game out. I want to play it now. <laughs> so uh, Ryan, number three, what you got? Okay, my number three pick a very well-known game, and that is 2011's Dark Souls. Uh, now, this is a game I stayed away from for quite a while, but my roommate and friend had always talked about it, loved it, and told me about it for years. And then finally, I was like, you know what? I'll give it a shot. I saw you know, my other roommate playing it, and it looked like a lot of fun. And I really didn't think this would be a game I would enjoy, but I really love this game. And again, similar to Cuphead, it is a very challenging old yeah, school Yeah, I'm starting style. to see a pattern in your <laughs> yeah, list. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ryan likes some of that torture. You're a masochist. Yeah, That's a what little it is. bit. Just a little bit. But this game, I really love this the combat style of, you know, 
really having to be patient and waiting for your time to strike in a lot of these boss fights and even your everyday enemies you have to be very patient you know this is a game where it's like oh even when you start to feel powerful don't take even the small enemies lightly because if you throw your gu- if you put your guard down just because you think you're OP, well, sometimes you can get caught and end up dying when, you know, you got too cocky, basically. So, this is a game that really rewards patience and that that's really the name of the game. But, like, again, similar to Cuphead, that feeling of rewarding, you know, there's a lot of games where you're just kind of you're stringing through cutscene to cutscene, you're breezing through the game, you finish it, and you're like, oh yeah, I beat the game, it's just expected. It's an accomplishment to beat a game like this. And there's a lot of obscure things that, of course, sure, some things I looked up because there's some really obscure things, but there's a lot to discover, and a lot of people like to praise the kind of interconnected world that they have in this game. They they don't really do this as much in the sequels to um, to Dark Souls, but the original one, it's really cool to you discover a new area, and then all of a sudden you realize you open a door or come, you know, go down some stairs or something and you're in an area you've already been in and you see kind of how the world all fits together. Um, It's just, it's an unbelievable experience that I think everyone, if they have to play one from software game in the series, I think the first Dark Souls is really the best place to start. I I haven't even tackled some of the other games um, like uh, Bloodborne and I always mess up the name of the samurai game or no the samurai game sekiro um shadows 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 twice Twice, yes those those are some games i do want to get to down the line because i enjoyed this one so much solid stuff uh i played demon souls the original one that a lot of people overlooked and i played i think was dark souls 2 died a lot much like cuphead yeah two I'm good. Two, I, I never ended up finishing. I really don't like it as much. So I would suggest trying out Dark Souls if, I, if you're into that style, which I don't I'm, want. I'm good, you don't, you don't torture. like as much. <laughs> yeah. Keith, uh, is yes. uh, your next pick a little bit on the torture side? No. This is my favorite games of the decade. Why would I torture myself? With I mean, Ryan them? likes I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a masochist like Mr. Whatever. McNulty. Yeah. Yeah, number two. (laughs) Never mind. I had a joke. I'm going to keep it to myself. All right. Number three is a game. This is probably the game that I've played the most this decade and enjoyed almost all of my time with. It's a game that I had followed basically from the time it was in closed beta. I ended up seeing like a gif of it, thought, hey, this looks cool, got into the closed beta and have been hooked with it ever since. I became like a founder. It's This was before Kickstarter was a thing, so this is really the only game I've ever kickstarted, and that's Warframe. It's a PvE-based multiplayer co-op game. There is a bit of a... There is a PvP angle, but it sucks in this game where you just... Uh, and the or the idea of the game is you get these warframes that all have different abilities. I think there's nearly 30 of them, 30 unique ones in the, the game at this point. And then you just go on missions. There's different types of missions. Like there's your classic just beat hordes of enemies and endless combat. Or hey, you have a goal. You need to take out this spaceship or you need to rescue this guy or capture this guy. And then just try to accomplish goals. And then it's very much like like a grind style game. It's a free to play game where it's all about uh, time versus money, where everything in the game is accessible, even to the point where you can earn premium currency through trading items and different equipment in the game, or you can just outright buy it. It's like, hey, I want to spend 10 hours farming this one Warframe, or I can just spend 15 bucks and buy it. That's the entire pricing model of it, but they do it in a fair way, at least in my opinion, because everything is so accessible in this game, and it's not like a, hey, you need to grind 15 hours to get that currency uh, that you would use to spend it. It's like, no, well, I ended up getting a really good drop in a mission. I can sell that for a third of the cost of this brand new item that just came out. I really like the balance that they've done with Warframe in that uh, in that uh, subscription model. Not really subscription, but I guess pay-to-play model. And they've just, like, non-stop added to this game. Like, when it started, it was very much here 
those missions, go ahead and do them. But since it's come out, they've added a story mode. They've added story quests. They just added a thing where you like build your own spaceship and then have to like monitor all the systems of the spaceship. Like, are you going to be the pilot? Are you going to run the guns? Are you going to be like a, a strike team that goes and take out other spaceship? They've done, they've pretty much almost reworked everything in this game to make the, uh, to make the combat keep up with times. Like one of the big selling points of this gameplay wise is it's like has a very robust melee system and that melee system started feeling long in the tooth so all of a sudden they're like okay well we're going to rework it and now it works completely different it feels like a modern action game even though it's been almost out for 10 years at this point just the constant updates to it the constant content updates to it because there's always like a big thing that comes out every year or a few big updates that's just new content it's kept warframe fresh and awesome and i'm always going back to it as just something i enjoy playing catching up with getting my time leaving for a bit and then coming back it's like a cycle i've put myself in with warframe and the game's out on pretty much everything now including the nintendo switch so if you want to play something like this on the go uh, i will say it's uh it's an intimidating game to get into i tried to get back into it last year and there's simply so much to do like this can easily become your your singular game experience like you could just play this game all year only and i know friends that have poured over 2,000 hours into it. And they're still like, oh, I'm working on something. Like, what? What do you do? What do you do eventually? But mm-hmm. I know, couldn't Warframe. imagine trying to get into it at this point. I would say that's the one downside of it is that even as somebody that has played it for almost its entire lifespan on and off, I'm always look like having to go up and Google, okay, how do I do this? How do I do that? And there are even like entire sections of the game I've never touched just because I haven't gotten that far yet. So for me, this goes right back to Mr. Keith Poshik, who suggested I play a game and this was uh, now two years ago. Actually, oh my goodness, this was 2016. Wow, time's going by way too quickly. And there's a little game on the PS4 called Yakuza 6, The Song of Life. Oh, I have never played, game. keep in mind, Yakuza 6, yet I had never played a single Yakuza game. So I had every reason going into it thinking, uh, this is not going to be it for me. I don't know about the story. This is the sixth game. For anybody that doesn't know what this is all about, the easiest way to describe it is this. This is a badass simulator. You live in Camarocha, which, uh, which is uh, in, in a small town, small area. This is not an open world game. Initially, it does look like an open world game. So you're thinking, oh, it's like GTA or something. It's like, no, it is actually not that big. Uh, so you play as a particular character whose job is to just like uh, kick uh, the bad guy's asses, there's this incredible story about a baby, about a revenge story. This is almost like a soap opera mixed with a video game, mixed with dating, with eating. This this game makes eating fun because whenever you get hungry eating in the video game... Eating is always fun. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, but in, but in video games, like... Yeah, Nobody video plays game a video game fun. and goes like, oh my goodness, it's so great. Because when you get hungry in the game, you can uh, go to a restaurant, you can buy the food, and that actually increases your stats. So you're almost waiting to get hungry. As somebody that hates games like uh, Ark, Survival of All, because I don't like the whole like uh, survival part, I love the fact that this game made everything that I usually do not like about a game and makes it awesome. Plus, the actual fighting system. You can grab pretty much everything around uh, the character. You can go to an arcade. This game is made by Sega. So you can play games like OutRun. And uh, the best part is like, if you and like Virtual this game. Virtual Fighter 4. Like, yeah, my Virtual God. Fighter 4. You can play freaking Virtual Fighter 4. And uh, if you like this game, once again, it's the sixth game. The best part is they, they've actually been remastering the older one. So like on the PS4, you can pretty much play all of them. Uh, this year, I'm hoping to play Judgment, which is like this game mixed with Phoenix Wright. I have my copy there. My wife gave it to me as a Christmas gift. And I'm like, what? You're mixing this incredible, outrageous experience. Uh, Keith, uh, I do got to bring it to, over to you. What made you uh, love this game? I saw a uh, I saw a 
video online of Yakuza Zero, of just, like you said, of the over-the-top badass simulator aspect of it, of like, hey, you're in this street fight against a bunch of guys, and then you just took somebody's head and curb-stomped it. It, or curb stomped it up against a bike rail and then that's just the the game goes on now you're pulling salt in people's you eyes sing karaoke and then you go sing karaoke five minutes later and you're doing a side quest where you're trying to be a mascot for somebody it's just yakuza is so good at riding this line of like serious drama and just insanity because all of a sudden you're doing these crazy fights you're in the middle of this giant murder mystery where you're fighting for your life and then you're having a dance-off with a bootleg michael jackson and that's kind of Yakuza in a nutshell right there. Yep. And all the, at least the ones I've played, I've played zero, one, two, and six, and I'm, I'll be playing the remasters as they come out, but they're just so good at riding this line. And then just, I've never played a game that is better at tying everything together. Like by the time you're in the middle of a Yakuza game, there are like a hundred story threads that are out there. Oh yeah. And it's the, insanely the one complex. Thing I got to point out there. It's like, don't, don't worry about a game, not sort of closing the story. They, uh, this game almost does too much of that. You know what it's like? hell or high water. Yeah, the it's game's almost like, hey, too clean. Just in case you're not sure, just in case, here's more explanation. Oh, that's not clear enough. Here's even more explanation about the story. And yeah, just they in hit case, Kojima levels more. of explanation at some points. <laughs> it is ridiculous. Also, what the hell at the end of the story? Uh, please do yourself a favor. Uh, play this game. It is freaking, freaking awesome. Now, Ryan, we only got two more games on this list. Uh, what is your number two pick? So, my number two pick, I would say I have a bit of a complicated relationship with because oh, I, no. I no longer play this game anymore and I really don't have any interest in playing this game anymore. But the sheer amount of time that I was no, hooked to this game. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> it, it must be on this list. And that is Hearthstone, which came out in 2014. I was playing this in beta, basically before this it even released. So I was playing this as early as late 2013. And I already, you know, Keith and I, we both love the Warcraft universe. I used to play Yu-Gi-Oh cards back in the day, so I had a, a little bit of a card game background. So when you combine, you know, card games plus World of Warcraft, I'm going to check it out. I remember, I'm pretty sure Keith was the one that told me to check this out and he got me into it and he uh, helped me, you know, learn to play in everything L2P. Can you explain like in an elementary way yeah. some of the gameplay mechanics for those that haven't so, played a trading yeah, card game? Hearst, yeah, for those who have not played a trading card game, um, the way Hearthstone works is you essentially have monster cards and spell cards and as does your opponent, you build a deck uh, with, I think it was 30 cards. I, I can't even remember at this point, but... It is. It, okay, you have a, a combination of these monsters and spells, and you'll put your monsters on the board, and you're trying to basically get your opponent's points to zero their life, but there's also other monsters you can attack on the fields, and yeah, it goes until one player dies. But there's a lot of strategy that goes into it. It's essentially like a more complicated game of chess with a lot more factors involved. Uh, so I was very much into this game for basically three straight years. I was playing this game all the time, and I was very much hooked into this game. So for that, I have to put it on my list because it was a game I did really enjoy for a very long time. As frustrated as I would get it sometimes, I played ranked a lot. So it was the one of the games I'm normally not a very competitive person at all. Um, I'm usually pretty bad at competitive games. And after games. watching your Hearthstone huh. career, thank God you're yeah. not a competitive person. Yes. <laughs> yeah, let's just say Ryan used you to get scream. Ugly. And yes. if Ryan was playing Hearthstone, you went on Twitch and yeah. you saw his damn streams. Yeah, I for don't, the yelling. Yeah, I I'm not. Yeah, I get angry. I have a temper when it comes to video games. Oh, okay, oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> just a bit. But I I took ranked pretty seriously. Although I mean, I only got to the legend rank once, but that was definitely an accomplishment to be able to get to that that rank. But 
there's there's a whole aspect of like ladder anxiety where it's like if you lose a game you lose your rank and there's a lot of stress that goes into that but i was happy to at least do that once um and yeah i gotta give it a lot of credit like i said it was the only like the most i've ever been dedicated to a competitive video game as rng based as it could be at times so all credit to them i've i haven't played i've basically haven't touched the game in about a year and a half and really kind of fell out of it after the frozen throne expansion pack uh, it just ended up being too expensive my interest slash my interest level versus the level of wanting to still commit money to it just completely fell out of whack and i just couldn't i couldn't stay into it anymore had to step away but it's probably for the best for my health <laughs> yeah agreed uh, we're at least your friends your heart. And, yeah yes <laughs> So, uh, we went from a card game to now, Mr. Poshik, uh, what's on the menu? Mr. Hamilton. Yeah, Mr. Oh, Hamilton. Did, I'm Jesus. sorry. It's been let months me, at this point. Oh, okay. Let, let me pull up there the you video go. version. There it is. Say, your, what, what's your Twitter, Keith? What's Follow your Twitter? Follow me on Twitter at Hamilton by Law, because I legally changed my name to Hamilton, even though I, it kind of makes me Mr. sound Mr. like a lawyer. For like, Jesus, man, over 10 years. Give me a break sometimes. Yeah. So of the sorry. last decade that we're speaking of. That is very true. That's true. And speaking of that decade, what's your number two? So this one's going to be quick because I've spent most of my time on this podcast gushing about the RE2 remake and how it has taken one of my favorite games ever in the original Resident Evil 2 for the PlayStation and just made it better in a, in a way that I couldn't even wrap my head around. I knew it was going to be good. I had no idea it was going to be that good. And it's just something that I'm, I'm so thankful it exists. I'm so thankful that it's really set this new bar for remaking games. It's a bar that, I mean, it hasn't come out yet, but it feels like the Final Fantasy VII remake is getting pretty close to that. And I'm just excited for what this means for remakes going forward. And the fact they just did that with one of my favorite games was one of the most enjoyable experiences I had of the last decade. Even though it was very near the end of the last decade, I loved my time with re2 so much that it's very very high on my list no same here man i think that that is the definitive way we've talked about that you know this year we have the re3 remake uh we also have like some uh like the pokemon mystery dungeon dx we're, we're getting remakes and remasters of like older games but i think this game right here is always gonna sort of set the standard it's for the that. gold standard it's the terminator 2 of remake video games <laughs> yeah yeah that's always going to be the reference now but uh, at number two this is a game you talked about already so i'm not going to dedicate too much time to it but it is saints row the third uh the reason that i made my number two is that uh, this game came out in 2011 and being perfectly honest i'm not an open world type of person i love a linear experience that's like tailor-made you know this is how a game wants you to feel kind of like a movie uh ideally i like to play games that are like eight to ten hours in length but something about this game the outrageous nature uh the only other open world game that i played and loved every second of it was infamous and i think there's a lot to tie in together even though you're not a superhero in this game let's be real you kind of are even though you're like the the anti-hero i guess you could say but Everything about it from the costumes to the fact that you can do uh, some co-op stuff, the wrestling moves. You know, I talked about WWE 2K14 previously. You know, with this game, there's a ton of wrestling references in it. You even have Hulk Hogan, which let's not talk about Hulk Hogan, but there's a wrestler in the game. And I think that's pretty special. Uh, so that's why that became my number two. Now, before we begin to unveil some of the... Uh, number one games of all time, we went over to our Discord. Once again, that is a casttothepast.com slash Discord. And we asked a couple of people, hey, going back to uh, memory lane, what are some of your favorite games of the last decade? We have uh, Travis who wrote that Life is Strange is my favorite of the last decade. Did any of you uh, play that game? I did not, but... I want to so bad. It's it's up there as far as like great episodic games, and I know that about it. And as somebody that's a fan of the Telltale style of game, I, I need to get around to it. It's very high on my list with Cuphead. Yeah, so it's a story-driven game. It's a lot about decision-making. Haven't played it myself either, so can't talk too much about that. But 
Uh, Ace Bunny had a couple of different picks, not a top five, but some games I really like this decade or the previous one include Alan Wake, Rayman Legend, Octopath Traveler for the Switch, uh, Super Mario 3D World for the Wii U, Mario Kart 8, and Breath of the Wild. I think that Breath of the Wild is on a league of its own. So mm-hmm. out of the other games, is there any of these that you played and you also enjoyed? So I didn't necessarily play any of these, but I remember Alan Wake was an interesting game that I remember hearing a lot about. And I, I meant to revisit because it definitely had some kind of Silent Hill-ish aspects to it that kind of piqued my curiosity so that's something i might have to uh to go back and check out because that kind of fell off my radar just have to i'm just doing a quick google just doing a quick google okay so mortal kombat 8 is mortal kombat armageddon right because mk9 is the 2000 or like the remake right maybe i'm not a mortal kombat guy so like okay where are you going with this because if if I am correct, I don't really have a lot of reverence for MK8, but my God, do I love MK9. It's a game that I, it was on my 55 game list at one point, just because of how, how amazingly they did that fighting game story. It is really the beginning of like the renaissance of fighting game stories and how they were able to take these three Mortal Kombat games from the, uh, from the, uh, Sega Genesis Super Nintendo era that everybody loves and just make a great story mode out of it and have very solid competitive gameplay around it. I loved MK9 and I agree with you. Breath of the Wild's kind of a, in a league of its own. I would argue that it should be high on a overall games of the decade list if you're talking about like just video games that are incredible and kind of moved the uh the platform forward breath of the wild should be at the tippity top of that list but it's our games of the decade not the games of the decade you know what i love about all of this i am 99 percent sure he was talking about mario kart 8 so I'm just oh. like, eh, keep going, oh, Keith. Yeah, keep going. Okay. Yeah, that makes oh, sense. MK. Mario Kart 8. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, like, Mario Kart, Mortal why? Kombat. That's why I was so confused. I'm like, why the hell is he talking about Mortal Kombat? <laughs> yeah, totally. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> so Mario Kart 8, everything that Keith said, just Mario, Mario Kart. Mario Kart 8 is, yeah, you is know a when, great game. You know when Luigi sure. siphons souls out of toads <laughs> and then transforms into them? It's my favorite part yeah. of that game. Wow, I didn't even yeah. put that together. But goddamn, MK9 is great. My only issue with Mario Kart 8 was that it was such a solid game that I feel like on the Nintendo Switch, they have it. it where's the Nintendo Switch Mario Kart? That's all I'm saying. I, you know, they're coasting off of Mario Kart 8, which is a fantastic game. But The sad answer is, is go pay, pay 20 bucks and play this generation's Mario Kart on a phone. 20 bucks a month, I should say. Oh, hell no. Boo. Hell no. Boo. I hated that option. But uh, just, just to keep in mind, like before we get to our number one, so many games that came out this past decade, like Borderlands 2, uh, Grand Theft Auto 5, like it or hate it. I mean, Minecraft, Fortnite, PUBG, so many things happened in just the last decade. Uh, there are forgotten games like Titanfall 2 as well. So it's just worth pointing out that it's easy to just forget how many games came out in a 10-year span, which brings us to our number one picks beginning with Mr. McNulty. What you got? Probably, if if you've listened to me in the past talk about games, this probably is the least surprising number one ever. But it is Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, which came out in 2017. This was, you know, Keith had just mentioned it and it was mentioned by, you know, our listeners. I'm a huge Zelda fan, but after a game like Skyward Sword, which came out in the earlier part of the decade, it was kind of a letdown. And it really felt like the series needed to be redefined. And then in 2017, they did just that with Breath of the Wild, which just made exploration in a game one of the most fun things ever. I've said it before, and I think IGN said it in their review of this is a game that never tells you no. If you see something, there's likely a way that you can get there or do you know accomplish what you think you could accomplish. Uh, there's a lot of kind of physics that that makes sense, and you can do some really cool things in this game. But it just it 
it read like I rediscovered my love for single player games because of this game. Um, you know, Hearthstone was earlier on the list. Pokemon Go. Those were games I was kind of just playing um, and I was kind of avoiding single player games for a while. And I was playing other games like Overwatch. And then Breath of the Wild came out and all of a sudden, you know, I play this game. I love it so much. I go, I start playing games like Dark Souls, like Cuphead, like Skyrim, um, and really getting into those games as well. I, I kind of fell off and was kind of done with single player games for a while until Breath of the Wild. So I owe it a lot. And I'm just a huge fan of the Zelda series as is. So for them to just have this kind of rebirth of the series was without question the number one game for me Mm -hmm. breath of the wild really is just like a breath of fresh air into the legend of zelda franchise especially after something like skyward sword where it became very old tired and uh just kind of going through the motions of what you think a zelda literally game going should through be. the motions because it was a motion control but i love um, I consider Breath of the Wild to be the most non-linear, linear game ever, where you have your objective, it's a single-player game, you know your base goal, they literally give it to you within the first five minutes of the game. Your main objective, beat Calamity Ganon. It is on your quest log since the beginning of the game, and it can take you upwards of 20 minutes, if you know what you're doing, or it can take you 100 hours. And then just the way that they... They have such a non-linear approach to every single aspect of that game. Like, they kind of do away with the old uh, conventional sh uh, dungeon methods of Zelda and move towards shrines. And even though there is a way to solve every single shrine, there are also ways to game it and get to the solution of that shrine because I, sh I guess I should say a shrine is like a little puzzle that's very um it's like hey this is the uh area that's laid out before you there is a puzzle to solve solve this puzzle and then you win you're on to the next one even though they have a set solution for it there are ways to game it and still make it work yeah like, it really and it makes you feel so good and yeah you, you feel, feel really smart because like einstein yeah there's no one solution to everything and people have gotten extremely creative and i'm sure people are still discovering new ways to solve multiple puzzles and um you know get further in the game and accomplish certain things. I mean, you can chop down a tree and basically surf on a, a tree log. And that's a legitimate speedrunning tactic because of one of your abilities to basically stop time, add momentum. And then when the timer runs out, that thing gets propelled forward. So people have basically surfed on tree Insane. logs across the map. So <laughs> you can amazing. get very creative with this game. Just like Cuphead, this is another game that it's so fun to go watch speedruns of. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Ryan is a gamer. I feel like, uh, I mean, I've known both of you for well over a decade. You definitely love the challenge. If you focus on all the games you've talked about, they have that common theme of challenge. It's They can't just hand it to you on a silver platter. You, you like to struggle a little bit, Mr. McNulty, don't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, just a little bit. I just you know, a bit. I don't get me wrong. I like the Uncharted's and all that, but the games that really stand out to me uh, are certainly ones where you have that large sense of accomplishment for having gone through the game. So, having said that, Mister Hamilton, could you do yes. us the honors and present us your number one favorite game of the last decade? You know, it's kind of funny because if I could pick a game that is the polar opposite of Breath of the Wild as far as like non-linear story-based games, it would be my number one game of this decade. Let me take you back to a time. It was around 2010 when there was this little company called BioWare it was still good. They were putting out phenomenal <laughs> games, phenomenal story-based games, and this little series was kind of at the top of their mountain called Mass Effect. It is a three-part uh, space opera, very much akin to Star Wars, Star Trek, and Mass Effect 2 is the highlight of that franchise not only that franchise i would say it is one of my favorite games ever uh throughout history mass effect 2 is definitely in my top five of all time and just the way that they 
This game is character building 101, where it's all about the different stories and interactions. Like, it did kind of move the gameplay of the Mass Effect series forward, because I'll be honest, the gameplay in Mass Effect 1 is garbage. It's going back to it is a awful experience. Mass Effect 1 is a game where I would recommend you put it on easy just so you can see the story, because the story is great. And then just getting through it just so you can play Mass Effect 2, because it also did this cool thing of there was a trilogy-like progression that we hadn't really seen before in games where this uh, the Bioware games are very choice-heavy, where you're kind of making like big decisions in those games that affect the story and the plot and the characters. All the decisions that you made in one carried over into two, and it was a very unique concept at the time that uh, Bioware was, uh, was known for. And the the premise of Mass Effect 2 itself is, okay, you have this mission that you need to accomplish. It's You're going up against the odds. You're basically like the John Cena of space. And you need to build <laughs> this team that will help you overcome these odds. And then being the middle chapter of the game, it gives it room to breathe and really focus on these characters, this suicide squad that you're building of the most dangerous outlaws, the smartest people in the Jared galaxy. Leto in it? Yes, Jared Leto's in it. <laughs> you shoot him in the head five minutes in. <laughs> you wow. don't actually do that. But then you're just building these relationships with these characters to the point where they will follow you on this suicide mission that leads into Mass Effect 3. And even though you've spent 60, 80, 100 hours getting attached with these characters, they can die. There is a chance that your favorite character might not make it to the next video game if you make the wrong choices. And the consequences of that just lead to this very, um, this very powerful and epic, uh, final chapter in this game going into that suicide mission that you've been building up. And that combined, that large scale mis- mission combined with like these small scale character interactions just makes Mass Effect the perfect character developing game. Now, Bioware has gone kind of down the toilet at this point, and I don't think that that magic really exists anymore. And I'm one of the people that will defend Mass Effect 3. I thought it was fine originally, but just if you're talking about the peak of Bioware video game, Mass Effect 2 is that peak, and I love it so much. Everybody should play the Mass Effect trilogy. Take Andromeda, throw it in a toilet, just play Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3. And something I wanted to say about that, when you say suicide mission and what happens, uh, that's not even a spoiler. The entire premise of the game is you're you trying to build up the, the beginning. Team. Yeah, exactly. So I love the fact that much like Breath of the Wild, I guess in that sense, you can say it's like the game starts letting you know this is the thing. How you get there and what you choose to have and not have, that's entirely up to you. And uh, interesting story is that you got me into Mass Effect 2 as well. It's not in my list here, but it, it, this it happened was a lot pick. during this episode. Yeah, because <laughs> it's like, I, I feel like uh, even though we we play a lot of similar games, just not at the same time. So it's usually it's like I'm playing something that you're going to play or vice versa, but not at the same time. And when I played that game, I was hooked. And I do not play. I've talked about this here. It's like I don't play games that are super lengthy but there was something about just like sitting down, getting to understand the characters. I failed miserably at the end of the games. I got one of the worst endings possible and I was pissed off, but it's so unique and I love that game so much. So without further ado, uh, I guess it's up to me. So Juan, Here's can the last you present one? us with your number one game of the last decade? And I think that anybody that's either subscribed to my channel or you've heard me talk about this game, I feel like I have an obligation to talk about this game, and that is Dead Cells. So this little game, I own three copies of on the Switch, on the PS4, on PC. I also played on Game Pass. I continue to make progression <laughs> in each one because there's something about it. So this is the rogue light genre. You video gamer out there, or even if you don't play video games, you may be, what the hell is the difference between a roguelike, roguelite? A roguelike is the type of game that when you die, you start from scratch. Best example, Binding of Isaac. You start that game and you don't have any permanent upgrades, you continue to progress. 
a roguelite is a game that you do have to start all over when you die, but you do have permanent upgrades. And that's where this game came in and I fell in love with it. I played over uh, 30 minutes of it. You have a side-scrolling 2D game with beautiful uh, sprites. And the whole thing is that uh, you have long-range weapons, you have short-range weapons, but the fluid animation and how you actually play, this is the type of game that if you die, you know it's your fault. You know how sometimes you go like, oh, the, the delay or something's not working. It's like, no, if you die, it is entirely because you did not master the uh, dodge mechanic because maybe you didn't get the right upgrade. And when you progress, you have an accessory so you can throw down arrows that support you. And it's just this entire thing that, not about the story, I can tell you anything about it, really. But it's the one game that when I went to bed, I would actually bring the Switch with me because that was the main version that I played to continue playing. I haven't done that with any other Switch game. Like the Switch is portable, I never played in handheld mode in my home, but I did it with that game. So if you're looking for something that is just going to get you coming back time and time again, it's a game that fu that's fun to play with your friends because they want to see you thrive. They want to see how far can you make it. I actually ended up beating the game. Uh, I was going to do a video for my channel. So I'm like, uh, I guess I'll record some footage. All of a sudden, I'm like, wait a minute. I'm, I'm like getting farther. I beat the game in that sitting. I went from like, <laughs> I was going to record 10 minutes of footage to playing an hour and a half of it. And I yelled. I like, I flat out yelled when I actually beat the main story. Now there's like a hard mode, which is just kicking all kinds of my ass, but I beat the normal difficulty. That makes me pr feel pretty damn good. And that's why Dad Cells to me is my number one favorite game of the last decade. Did either of you play it? I forget. Yes, I'm with you where there is a point in my life where this just consumed me and it was all about just like getting the next upgrade and like you said, just the controls in this game are so tight and so precise that every time that you die, you never go like, well, the game screwed me over. It's 100% on you and that's it's just so great because you feel yourself getting better there's not a lot of games out there that you can't just like brute force after a while where oh hey you're stuck on this part well i'm gonna go grind a bunch of skill points get super powerful come back and just steamroll my way through it that doesn't really exist with dead cells because even though you do get upgrades and some of them are just like hey i get more health or i get more potions that i can do to heal myself all the upgrades are kind of like flat line where it's just different ways to approach a situation and different uh, styles of gameplay that you can uh, see if you like or dislike. There's not really something that just makes you stronger. The way that you get better in this game is by doing exactly that. You get better. I say that with the exception of the final boss, because the final boss in that game is bullshit, and Ooh, that's just yeah. not fair. <laughs> that final boss, is that's one of the situations that if you don't have the right uh, accessories and secondary items, just throw in you the just towel. get... There's yeah, a pit, so just jump in happen. that pit, because you're done. But it's a great feeling, and uh, uh, just to cap it off, is there any game that you would like to mention, kind of like an honorable mention, or just something that's like, look, this game was on my list before Juan forced me to send the, the damn list so I wouldn't keep changing it. Is there anything like that for you guys? You, uh, you brought it up when you were talking about Dead Cells, but a game that is probably, it is like my 5.5 or 6 of this decade is The Binding of Isaac, where I started playing the Flash version of The Binding of Isaac. I got, it was really one of the first games that I got into on Twitch, watching Twitch and seeing different runs of that game because of the roguelike aspects of it where every run is different and then just trying to get good and and complete the game on my own. It's a game that I sunk a lot of time into and enjoyed most of my time with. I love The Binding of Isaac, and they just kept upgrading it throughout the decade, because then they came out with The Binding of Isaac Rebirth, and then Afterbirth, and then they've started adding mod packs, and then the community has kind of and run I, with it. I have played the board game. There's a board game of it mm -hmm. now, and it's really? actually a lot of fun, so I would say go check it out. But yeah, Keith got me into The Binding, Isaac, uh, Binding of Isaac as well. I'm not 
nearly as good as Keith. I never unlocked everything, but it's still something I think about going Platinum back to. Platinum God, a lot. baby. Yeah. Uh, but there, uh, yeah, a couple honorable mentions. Certainly, I, I mean, Minecraft uh, is certainly one that I enjoyed. Um, the another one, Heavy Rain, uh, kind of similar to what Keith was talking about with Mass Effect, where characters could actually die at some point in the story. Um, but that was very much like quick time events that are good. Quick time events was like a thing that people didn't like for a long time in games. But then they based an entire game around it. And it was like playing out a movie. And I thought that was very interesting. And of course, the game that's been remade about 7 million times, Skyrim, I've, I finally beat the main story of that game for the first time about a year ago <laughs> that's and, amazing damn. yeah and I, I had so much fun with it you know just going uh going with my uh like stealth version and just daggering people and getting that 15 times bonus attack on them it's op and it's amazing so skyrim's a, a great game too i mean how can you not at least honorably mention it for the decade i mean it's been released 70 times so it's on everything yeah, it really is. It's incredible. And uh, I'm feeling pretty good about this. I think that it's uh, a nice contrast. I think that each of us, that's why I love working on this podcast. We have some similarities. I'd say that when it comes to video games, if you if you guys and gals listening and watching were curious, it's like, you know, sort of what we like. I think this gives you a flavor of that. I think that Keith and I, we, we like some similar genres in a broad stroke but then ryan and keith like when they love a game that is like like-minded that is the game right like with hearthstone binding of isaac wow when you two play that it's like that is the only thing that you play it so, consumes my life mm -hmm. and stardew valley guys i'm gonna say something that i know for a fact you have not processed and it's gonna make you feel old as hell the next time if we do this type of episode on the podcast we will be about 40 years Ooh. old. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Oof. my goodness. <laughs> How does that feel? Not good. Not good. Feels bad, man. Oh, man. I got, I got chills saying that right now. <laughs> so, everybody watching and listening, please, if you're on YouTube, <laughs> as Keith recovers, uh, let us know what are some of your top five favorite games of the last decade. You can also subscribe to the channel if you're listening on the road. First of all, park, go to the right side, pull off your phone, leave a five-star review on Unless Spotify, you're in England, Stitcher. And right, wouldn't you go to the left side, maybe? I don't know. Well, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Whichever <laughs> yeah. the safe side is, please go there and leave a five-star review. How confident are both of you feeling on the road to the next episode where we're going to take these 15 games or technically, I mean, it's less because we had some uh, similar ones between Keith and myself and we're going to take a, a five list. There's going to be some debating, I think. Oh yeah. We'll be masters at it. Yeah. Ryan, you okay? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> rocked by that revelation yeah. you said. Right, My God. Right. I, I just thought about that now. I thought I would just... I'll throw it out there, but I love working on this episode. So this is where people are going to get triggered because yeah. games will be cut. Oh yeah, I'm I'm anxious and ready for that. So please go over to the Discord. That is a cast of the slash Discord. React. Let us know. Uh, out of the three of us, which gamer do you relate to the most? That's going to be quite the interesting question. So up until next time, this has been another exciting edition of a cast. To the past. Keith, I feel like Ryan and I, we need to thank you. The common You're thing welcome. is like, Keith got me to play this game. Yeah. Next video, mm -hmm. top five games Keith recommended to me. But here's the thing, though. It wasn't Keith Hamilton that recommended them. It was oh. Keith Poshik. You're right. So it's all null and void. Throw it in the incinerator. Sadly. Let the past die. 